0: Episode 241, Half Mile Deep. This is the Ericast for the week of June 22, 2014. From Ericast.com. Welcome to the Ericast. Well, thanks for listening to the Ericast. I'm your host, Eric Larson, 206 339 3742, listener feedback line. Thank you for sticking with me, or maybe discovering me for the first time, but I bet probably not. Boy, the chair, really? You know, there's a squ- I need to get a less squinky chair. Hmm. I think I'll leave that in as part of the quaint charm of the Eurekaist, but I'll just try not to move that much. Uh, so thanks thanks for sticking with me. Maybe discovering this for the first time, but probably not. Um... I sort of ended up parking longer than I thought, but a good episode to have parked on was that Michael Monroe interview I thought was really cool, Um, and then (laughs) summer just appeared, and time got away from me. So uh, if you're wondering, you probably are a fairly long-term listener and probably know this already, but for those of you who are new... um, for you who are new. See, I can't say those of you as the plural, because you are just one individual listener. Can you tell me a little bit out of practice? But I've been doing this since 2005. We'll get back to that later. Um, the Aircast is what we're calling a personal podcast. And what we mean by that is that you're here either because you know me, Eric Larson, of the Aircast, and you're wondering, hmm, I want to know more about what's on his mind. Or you encountered some sort of topic, like, I want to know more about the Sudan underground mine in northern Minnesota. Oh, look, here's a podcast that apparently talks about it. And here you are. So, uh, bringing you miscellaneous dweeb thoughts for nearly a decade. EricCast.com. The, um, the, the, the reason I keep mentioning how long we've been doing this is because, uh, Steve Borsch, um, long Twin Cities, uh, podcaster and technology geek extraordinaire um, mentioned me in passing in the context of a uh, podcaster meetup that we did many, many years ago. And he complimented me by saying that I've been podcasting virtually nonstop. Um, I I did tell him that there've been some long pauses in there. So I, um, but I'm still here. (laughs) I don't know how long, you know, it's like when dad had his heart issues, um, subject to sudden cardiac arrest. Um, he now has a pacemaker, so he's doing much better. But prior to that, he had you know, blacked out a couple times. And cause when your heart stops, that's what you do. And at some point he, he asked me, um, after like the final episode where they said, ah, we know what it is now. We'll give you a pacemaker, um, where his heart had stopped for 13 seconds. And, um, he said, how long can your heart stop for? I said, well, I guess until it, doesn't start again. Just kind of by definition. So it's that same thing of how long can you stop podcasting and and not not be pod pod dead? I don't know what the term is. But I keep coming back. So it's all because of you. So be sure to call 206-339-3742. Leave some feedback. Let me know what you think. So the thing that um we kicked off June, and now we're already at like the end of June. But we kicked off June the same way we always kick off June have for the past several years. Love it, love it, love it. I love traditions in general, and I love this particular tradition. We went up to Duluth. If you're not a Minnesotan, you may or may not know that Duluth is a um, a port city here, an inland port city, the like furthest inland port city wherever. It's at the tip of Lake Superior. Uh, you can listen to previous episodes because I think I've, I've explained this all before. But yeah, Minnesota, which is like right in the heart of flyover country. It's sort of, you know, almost dead center in the continent, actually has an ocean port because thanks to the St. Lawrence Seaway being all open and stuff, there are ocean going vessels that can make it all the way into the tip of Lake Superior, which is where, um, Duluth and Superior are. Just like the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, two cities, um, a few miles apart Duluth and Superior same thing except instead of the Mississippi dividing them it's the st. Louis River and that also divides the state so Minnesota and Wisconsin uh, they are much smaller cities than Minneapolis and st. Paul no big skyscrapers I think the Radisson Hotel in Duluth which is like a you know 15 story maybe 20 stories building um, that's as big as they get there anyway doesn't matter so we went up there um as we do every year now, like right at the end of the school year, uh, but before the, the the big summer tourist season starts. So it's a little bit more quiet, the rates are a little cheaper. Um, and it's before grandma's marathon, which is a um a big marathon that's run in Duluth. And I I always tell people, you don't want to be in Duluth for Grandma's Marathon unless you're in Duluth for Grandma's Marathon. But if you're not, it just gets really busy and crazy. So Went up there, and every year we tried to you know, go someplace interesting. You know, North Shore a couple years ago, South Shore last year. So this year, I had two things on the agenda. Um, we went through the Duluth city limits and found three, three and a half Um, really nice waterfalls. I mean, the traditional Minnesota thing is to go up the North shore for about 45 minutes to Gooseberry Falls, which is very pretty. It's a state park and it's a, there are, um, CCC buildings and things. Remember like from WPA vintage, um, civilian conservation Corps. That's all really cool. And the waterfalls are there and that's nice. But right in Duluth, you've got, it turns out, uh, you can Google this stuff later if you're ever making a Duluth trip, uh, Chester Creek and Tisher Creek and Lester Creek and Lester Creek and Amity Creek come together. Um, and so that's kind of like three and a half. It's one park, but two, two rivers. And these are really nice falls and they're kind of, you know, depends on what your definition of a big water falls. I mean, they're not huge, but they're really pretty. Um, yeah, so, so that was, that was fun. Um, we did that actually over, over a couple of days. My first came the day up there and then on the way out. But the big trip. So this is my, if you're visiting Duluth, here's a, um, here's a little side tourist trip you might not think of. We went up to the Sudan underground mine. It's not the Sudan you're thinking of. It's a, it's a different Sudan, but, uh, the Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, has a lot of varied um, terrain, scenery, etc. Uh, if you're down in the south side, it's it's flat and it's cornfields, kind of like Iowa. That's that's what it is. Um, and you've got like the you know lake country kind of in the middle. But if you get up into northern Minnesota. Um, it's not mountainous, but, uh, it's, it's what's called the iron range. And there's, there's a lot of iron mining. There still is iron mining being done. Um, but a lot of iron mining. So in the, the big iron boom in the, you know, the turn of the previous century, um, this, uh, this mine opened in 1900. It's like the 1920s. I think it was, they were really kind of going, going whole hog at mining to mix my metaphors. Um, Yeah, lots of, lots of mining, lots of, lots of stuff. So, um, so there's this mine, which closed in 1964, and it's not the open pit mine where they drive the big trucks. It is the traditional, like, underground, go-down-the-mine-shaft kind of mine, and it got turned into a, a park and interpretive center and, tours and things in, in 1965. So we drove north out of Duluth to go see that, um. In the process, crossed the Laurentian Divide, which has a a sign, one of those traditional national park signs. Like, oh, that's kind of cool. What's that mean? Well, it's like the Continental Divide, except it's a north-south continental divide. So a, a drop of water falling on the southern side of the Laurentian Divide will eventually flow down to Lake Superior and then make its way out to the Atlantic Ocean and a drop of water falling on the north side of it makes its way up into the Hudson Bay and up into the Arctic Ocean. Huh, that's really kind of interesting. I guess when you think about it, there has to be a, a point in the continent where that kind of thing would happen, and that's, that's what it is. So we crossed over that we're in, and up north of that. Didn't even know it existed, but now I do. And we got to the mine. Okay, um, you get in this little rattly elevator car um, it is the size of a small elevator car so think probably about the smallest elevator you've been in and that's about how big this is it's not dropping straight down it's actually going at a like an eight degree angle so um, I think the numbers are you know it's a, it's a few hundred feet that by the time you reach the bottom you're you're like a few hundred feet north of where you started from because it's riding it's kind of hard to describe it's sliding up and down on on rails because they were hauling this iron ore. I mean, it's rock. It's heavy. And you don't want that just hanging for a half mile on cables. That's not smart. So, so they run it at an angle. Um, so the weight is actually kind of leaning against the back wall. Now I mentioned a half mile. I also mentioned a half mile in the title of the podcast. So it gives it away a little bit. Yes. When you, um, when you step out, from this elevator car, you are over 2,300 feet below where you started from. Yeah, so I had to describe to the girls. In um, in downtown Minneapolis, we have the IDS Center. It's our largest skyscraper. Uh, we have three that are basically the same size, but the IDS is officially the, the tallest. And, um, And it's a 55 story, 50, 55 stories, but it's 700 and some feet tall. So I explained to them, okay, imagine you'll picture the ideas. Now stack another one on top of it. Now stack another one on top of that. And that is how deep we were. I put that in the past tense as opposed to that's how far deep we're going to be because I realized that it's a little bit freaky to think about this and I didn't want to panic the girls with what we were actually doing. So it's easier to just kind of say, do it to do, isn't that cool? And then after you do it, say, by the way, here's what we actually did. Wow, wasn't that creepy? Yeah. So um, down the elevator, you get to, uh, with, a, with a tour guide's it's great. Um, then you go in these uh, kind of rattling, almost like roller coaster type cars and drive uh, three quarters of a mile down um, whatever the official term is for the horizontal shaft thing. Out to the end, and then they show you where the actual mining was done. Um, you know here's here's the room that the miners were in with the jackhammers and all that kind of stuff. really, really, really cool, really cool. So I would highly recommend doing this tour. Um, as I say, it's like an hour and a half north of Duluth. so it's I mean it's a drive, it's a commitment, but it's not you know it's not crazy. you can do it. Um, really fun. The girls loved it. What we also did, Came back up to the surface. That's great. It's the original winch, like 1920s technology, um, where you can watch the wire being coiled up that hauls people up and down the, uh, the shaft. Um, really neat. So you get to watch all that. And then, about half hour after the first tour ended, we went back down. And why is that? Well, because they have two tours. They have the history tour. They also have the physics tour. So it turns out that the University of Minnesota uh want to do some uh some particle research uh like you know neutrino detectors and things like that. And the problem with being in a normal building is we have tons of cosmic radiation raining down from us um on us from from space. It's kind of how the world works. So sun general background radiation etc and that messes up your experiments because you know you're looking for little tiny quarks and stuff and it's just really noisy because you have all this other cosmic radiation around you well what's a good way to escape cosmic radiation well how about going half a mile underground that works pretty well so that's what they did um, long interesting story about how the initial um you know the, the initial testing places and things were done um, basically in the old mine shafts and stuff and then in more recent years they built a Customized laboratory. So you come down this, this elevator shaft and you get out and in front of you is all the old mining stuff. But if you go around the corner behind it, um, which is a different kind of, of stone. I wish I knew more about geology because it's really cool about the, what's the iron ore and what isn't the iron ore or whatever. So behind where the mine was, um, different stone they didn't mine. So the U of M came in and dug out a big, huge giant room and they built a whole, like, 400 and some plates of steel um, that all had to be brought down in, in sections in that in that same elevator, piece by piece, um, up and down, up and down, up and down, and they have it pointed toward Fermilabs in Chicago. And so what's apparently happening is Fermilabs gets their particle accelerator all fired up, and shoots a neutrino our direction, and then they have this this detector thing, and it's attached to computers, and they know when Fermilab's has sent the neutrino, and so they look for it, and it goes ping, um, and one out of trillions and trillions and trillions or whatever um, actually hits the little plate, and or the series of plates, and then they have these little computerized printouts that show how they can trace the pattern through of. Here's a neutrino that came through and then sort of corkscrewed and went out this other side. Huh. Really interesting. Chloe loved that. I was kind of surprised. Um, Because when you're seven, you're not really thinking about particle physics. (laughs) But if you're Chloe, you are. So, um, yeah, it's super... Super impressive. So, I would highly recommend that. If you had to pick, uh, you know, like the, the overall tour, if you had to pick one or the other, do the history tour. Um, but maybe that's just because I'm more of a history geek than a particle physics geek. I don't know. Ruth liked the particle physics side. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a fun, relaxing time. Uh, and on what night was it? Probably the first night. I decided to walk up the the Lake Walk in Duluth, up the it's it's the North Shore, but it's in Duluth, so it's not like driving up the North Shore. But really, by the time you kind of turn the corner and get past Fickers, you Minnesotans will know where that is. Um, it is just like being up in Two Harbors or someplace up, you know, on your way to Canada. It just it's there's this this nice fresh sweet woodsy smell and the lake is there and the rocks are there and you know if you just if you look just right and if you look the other way it's like well there's a freeway and there's whatever but if you if you kind of line yourself up and they've got the occasional bench you just sit down look out over the lake it's it's just like it's just like being dozens of miles further north but very convenient because it's a short walk from the hotel so the lake walk um up past is it leaf park I'm not sure um, so Matt, folks like you are listening to this saying, why do I listen to this podcast? I have no idea what, what anybody's talking about here. But I will say that while we were up there, Duluth was competing, um, with Provo Utah. And I still really want to go to Utah. So at some point, bucket list kind of thing. I, I want to get to Utah, um, see Canyon Lands and Zion and all those, those parks. Duluth and Provo were the two final contenders for Outdoor Magazine's best best town, best place to be, whatever, and Duluth won. So Duluth is is getting additional national recognition as a wonderful place to go for outdoorsy type fun. Because that's what it is. Um, on the way back, went down through Jay Cooke State Park, which is now mostly open. One of the highways is closed. We ended up taking a weird back road to get in, but fortunately, we got across. Uh, river was really, really high. Lots of water running. Um, it flooded a couple of years ago and washed out the swing bridge that the CCC had built, um, but they got that all rebuilt, so that was nice. Got to 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 walk the girls across that. Pretty cool. Um, on the way down, Ruth got to see Rick Kay and the All-Nighters because we stopped in for their first set because it turns out that they happen to be performing in Hinkley. So go back into the Eric has archives and listen to uh, the, the summary of, of why I'm a Rick Kay fan, Steve Moore, the mad drummer. So it was good. It was a really good way to, um, to kick off the summer, um, a productive vacation, but very relaxing, just lots of fun stuff to do. So, um, yeah, that's the update. Half a mile underground, as long as you don't think about what you're doing, it's really not, um, it's not that freaky at all. But if you start thinking about it, it's like, wow, this is a little, little, little bit disturbing. Um, but yeah, Sudan underground mine, hide, hide. If you're in the area, take the tour. It's really cool. So that's the update. Let me know what you think. If you have any other vacation thoughts or, um, or suggestions, input, um, not quite sure how you, I mean, you can. Call in the listen to feedback line and tell me about your vacation. I'm I'm fine with that. Be a little bit odd, but um sure, go for it. 206-339-3742, which conveniently spells out 206-339-ERIC, E-R-I-C. Give us a call. Let me know what you think. Thank you for listening. And until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to the Eric From ericast.com. Visit us at www.ericast.com.